Down Your Unders. Down Your Unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 66 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is always Adam Camilleri. I'm joined for this uh, part one Imperium Boogaloo Octarius review. Uh, first and foremost, a little bit out of order. I'd plan to do this with uh, the other way around, but we're starting off with the Death Watch stuff. And due to that, I have my good man from the Normal Blokes, Denith, joining us. How you doing, dude? Yeah, good, man. Thank you for having me on again. It's uh, it's great to be back. Great to annoy your, your uh, listeners with my <laughs> voice. So it's great. Well, when I look at the guys who've been playing Death Watch through and through, you're the name that comes up the most in my head. You're at the forefront of my head for the guy I want to talk to about Death Watch, and not just like a space marine specialist in general. You are a Death Watch guy. You play Death Watch. You play Death Watch a lot, and I respect that. So I wanted to get you on again. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, they've had a, a bit of a wave of success over the last uh, four or five months. So it's good to ride mm. that. And uh, yeah, we've got a new supplement, which is pretty exciting. Well, yeah, they've just been bubbling away, haven't they? And then the inje- I think the injection of orcs into the meta gave them that tipping point. Only having Jakari to really pivot into. When Jokari are all just innately so freaking strong into Astartes in general wasn't enough. Like Death Watch just didn't give you enough to close that gap just because Jokari broke as a joke. But yeah. um, with Orcs coming in as well, I feel like they're starting to get their modus operandi going, hey, we can just counter all this stuff as long as it's prevalent, um, which is, I think is exciting. But uh, we're here to review the um, Army of Renown, the Kill Team Strike Force Army of Renown. But before I get ahead of myself, tell a little bit about Art of War and then I'll give Denise. A uh, moment to tell you guys about the normal blokes. But Art of War Down Under and Art of War as a conglomerate is uh, usually functions as a two-part podcast, that that being the Art of War Vanilla Flagship, my Art of War Down Under, and the Art of War Unbroken podcast, all over on the Competitive 40K network, where you can purchase the bundle deal on Art on the Art of War 40K, a one-click bundle to get the part two of every single one of our podcasts, and you can get access to the War Room in addition. Alternatively, you can go over to Patreon and search uh, Art of War Down Under, and you can find and jump on me there now the perks and benefits of these things are pretty innumerable over on part two for this one we're going to be um pretty much recording a, a list a list tech and a list list building exercise between uh, denise and myself talking about making this u- new death stuff usable viable you know what is this good and bad matchups really putting it through its paces as, as thinking and conceptualizing where it's going to shine and uh, what it needs to look like in order you know to be a first press injection into the meta i'll be doing the same for of course with the cadian supplement that i'll be recording with brandon grant directly after me and denise wrap up but denise enough about me tell me a little bit about normal blokes yeah thanks adam um i guess we've been uh, recording content for about three years now um uh, our kind of our slogan is uh, improving the competitive 40k experience. So we're all about, you know, having a good time at tournaments and events mm. and how to practice better, how to list build better and how to, um, you know, surround yourself with people in a community that is positive for that kind of growth. So, you know, you can find us on on, um, just on our Facebook page or on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find your normal podcast content. Um, for the month of November, we're actually doing a charity for November and we're raffling off some really nice uh, commission painted models. So if anyone wants to have a look at our Facebook page and want to go into the running to win some cool stuff, we will ship it to you for free. Um, 
that's a big statement when this podcast goes out to not just Australia, but we will <laughs> ship it to you for free. Um, but yeah, hit us up if you want to follow the Australian scene a bit closely. You know, Adam uh, Adam highlights us a lot as well on this podcast. But uh, yeah, hit us up and, and let me let us know what you think. Incredible ambassadors for the game and for Australian 40K. So please jump over. They're an exceptionally good way to keep your finger on what's going on down under if you're all, uh, you know, Aussie curious. Um, but let's jump in and talk a little bit about Death Watch. All right. So, 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 so. First two things we've got to talk about. Where are they at prior to this prior to this um, army of renown? Give give us your impressions. Yeah. You've been playing them like pretty consistently for the last like you know since their supplement came out. Mm-hmm. So what's your what's your impressions of the book and how are they doing? Well, Adam, let's have some collective advent- advertisement and send our listeners back to <laughs> the last episode you did with the Falcon. Because um, that episode, you and him put some really good points down for Death Watch. They're sitting in that kind of A minus tier mm. because they do have answers to stuff like Drakari. They, they can be built to have answers to Admech. And the thing with orcs, of course, they kill a lot of stuff, but they also die quite quickly. Death Watch can really get the jump on orcs. So yep. Yep. Uh, it was interesting because I've always kind of believed that Deathwatch is an army that can't go to go toe to toe with some of the more uh, polarized marine factions. Like when mm. Blood Angels and White Scars are good, or you know, yes. if Ultramarines are good, it becomes really hard for Deathwatch to play into that because we're well, like ten yeah. percent more expensive, and exactly. we do it a little bit worse, right? But we do everything a bit more. You're paying so, and this has always been the kind of dichotomy for for Deathwatch players. You play, a, you pay a premium for special rules that don't function against everybody. Yeah, and and the fa- the fact of the matter is, fifty percent of just about every meta you go to of every event is usually Imperium. And then, of course, there could be up to another quarter of that event being Chaos, e.g. three quarters of, of the event your stuff does is, doesn't get yeah. its best, best payload against. But then again, we have a meta right now where two of the best factions in the game are Xenos. So tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the game into Drakari is interesting. And I think this book has been written a few times by, you know, people like Jack, Jack Harpster, people like John Lennon, who've run the Dreadnought lists into Drakari. Because mainly Drakari is full of two damage stuff, it's full of small MSU combat stuff, um, and because of that, it unlocks one Dreadnoughts that have neg one damage, and two the Death Watch specific secondary suffer not the alien to live, which is essentially one point for every Xenos uh, unit that you exactly kill. Right. So yep. that's something that Marines in general struggle a little bit with, especially because there are some situations where you can just take like non-interactive secondaries and then this one, mm. you can just take yeah. gauge, retrieve Octarius data and this one. So it's like, cool, I'm going to move around and slowly kill you and I'll just yeah. get points. So like that unlocks the Drakari um, game a, a bit more. Um, the other thing is we can get our quote unquote infantry units to have T5, two up, four ups with three bikes, two Vanguard yes. vets. So yes, 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 exactly that right. Makes, yeah, that makes stuff like racks, like Incubi hitting you, like, Incubi hitting like three bikers, two Vanguard vets sometimes won't kill it. And that's annoying because mm. the Incubi aren't obsec, right? So, um, like, there's little stuff like that that swings the trading and um, that opens up a, f- a fair bit of cool stuff. So, yeah, that's that's what I like about it, man. Fantastic. So, what were your first impressions of the, the Strike Force when you cracked it open, had your first look at it? What, what did you think? I was pretty convinced I was going to play this for the next six months <laughs> and then I played well, so- and then I played two practice games and then I, you know, got my head back back into into, into <laughs> we represent the two polarities of yeah. the, the scene i looked at black templars and i was like huh this sucks and now i'm like oh this could be okay yeah. and then you, you were, you're like this is amazing i'm like oh we'll see Re- remeasure my expectations yeah. um but uh so we both we both had one thing that we both said when we reviewed this i because mm-hmm. I, I messaged you and we're like it feels like they're going to play like they did in eighth yeah that's it. Yeah. Why, why did we say that? Why do you think that that's a thing? So Death Watch in 8th, um, especially in our part of the world in Australia, there were people who were playing it um, 
in a very, very infantry-heavy army with mixed kill teams that had storm shields at the time. They gave three-up invos, terminators that would give two-up armors, and fearless to units. You know, you had all these big bricks of of ten-man Death Watch units rolling around the table, like Jeremy Martino, for example. You know, Brian Lakeland up here. I played it a lot as well. We'd run like four, I remember you played it at a Menza one year, yeah. Adam. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you podiumed that year, didn't you? Yeah, I got third, and yeah, then I, the, the the week the two weeks before that, I got second at. Um, Moab with the same list. Yes. It, it, it was phenomenally powerful. Mm, yeah, you could, and you could just essentially stick 50, 40 to 50 veterans with some support, be it like a transport or artillery or something behind yep. it, and the vets would just be um, immovable. And um, mm. this feels like that mainly because of the layers of buffs you can stack on top of what they already have. Now, Death Watch... Um, for a marine army is not the simplest thing to play. It's uh, already yes. before this supplement came out, there was a lot of bookkeeping. Like I would have mm. a cheat sheet or like a like a score sheet that I would take that was separate to my actual score sheet to every tournament. And it'd be full of stuff I'm scribbling down. Now there's yep. more and there's more to add on. And I think that's going to be the biggest barrier for entry um, for this sp- uh, army of renown. It's the bookkeeping and understanding all mm-hmm. the options you have. Um, but yeah. I think as a meta evolves, this could become a better way to play Death Watch, as if the meta changes. Well, yeah, exactly right. I, don't, I, I think that the, there are some pros, there are some amazing pros and cons for this list already. But where I'm getting at is in 8th edition, you were really, really rewarded for teching out and making one unit, like, you know, blowing the points out, but you got a lot for the investment. You got a bunch of storm bolters, you yes. got cyclones, you got, you know, a couple of chain fists, all these different tech options that could make one unit kind of do everything. Now, you do disincentivize in a lot of ways of doing that in ninth edition because everything kind of kills everything. And so you've, and so, and, and you need lots of units to go the distance for five turns. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see though, but I, that I think, and my first impression is there is enough here to make that build good like i don't know if it's going to be amazing it's going to be game breaking but i think it's enough to make it a thing so let's let's start this off let's start talking off and reviewing the content there is only two pages <laughs> and I'll, I'll do the restrictions <laughs> so that you get to do the benefits because i'm yeah. a benevol- benevolent host um restrictions all units in young death watch yeah sure whatever um or your army can only include the following units kill teams that have been upgraded with a specialization characters excluding artillery um, Corvus Black Stars and units with the dedicated transport battlefield role. From each primary crew team that includes in you know, a data sheet, it can include one impulsor for each other kill team, including detachment, it can include one other dedicated transport unit. So you get an impulsor in addition is what I'm reading there, but I don't think that matters very much. What are your thoughts here? Because when I first read this, I'm like, well, they're going to have to make some really, really good benefits now. Yeah, like you look at the big elephant in the room that we talked about a few episodes ago is that Marines, a lot of Marine armies rely on a quote-unquote crutch of dreadnoughts, right? Like Contemptors or Redemptors or whatever, whatever's good, the flavor of the month. Those dreadnoughts right now are so potent and so good, especially in Death Watch, that they can sit under the five-up invo, they can get plus one to hit, they can get full Mm -hmm. rerolls to Mm -hmm. wound. There's, There's so much power there. And that dreadnought little brick that a lot of lists run, let's say if it's just three Redemptors and characters, that's sub 800 points. Yeah. It's like a third yeah. to a half your army. That just is so much heavy lifting. So now we've got need to find a way for the infantry to be one, just as durable, and two, do the same amount of heavy lifting. Exactly right. Um, so that is an immediate problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an immediate issue we have to solve. Um, but yeah, the benefits are pretty crazy. Like if lay them on us, lay them on us. Let's do it. All right. So all well, they get this keyword strike force that is added to to units in this army. So all strike force kill teams 
and all Strike Force characters, so not the transports, not the Corvuses, get this ability called Veterans of Long Vigil. And essentially what that means is at the start of a battle round, you can decide if those units with that keyword are in your Xenos Hunters chapter tactic, which is reroll ones to hit in combat against Xenos and reroll ones to wound against a specific battlefield role. Um, or you can pick a chapter tactic from the Space Marine book or a successor chapter. Uh, chapter tactic that you can go into so this is a, a kind of a big deal it's the obvious one that there's there's obvious stuff that makes it awesome but the another precursor to, to or another um, qualifying factor to taking this strike force is that each of the kill teams need to be upgraded with a specialism so the specialism is like a 15 to 30 point upgrade depending on what you pick to give your uh kill team reroll wants to wound against a data sheet before you even pick it for your chapter tactic yep so you can still make specialized kill teams that still get that reroll to wound if if you know you're kind of meta picking you know picking what's going to be strong and having dedicated choices to to mm. shoot and fight or whatever um but the second part of this that is different to the stratagem Brotherhood of Veterans, which we've always had in the ninth edition book where we can pick a chapter tactic and go into it, is this lasts for the whole battle round. Yeah. And it's amazing because you can take advantage of all the defensive chapter tactics that you couldn't mm-hmm. before. Also, because you're not activating in the command phase, you're activating just at the start of the battle round and it affects everything. It applies to stuff that comes in from reserves or yes. is in a transport. Yep. So it's there's a lot of a lot more just overlapping application for this. So it's a sick I rule. think this is one of the best rules in the game. <laughs> so this yep. is for those who are familiar with the um, Adeptus Mechanicus stuff. They're doctrinas. They're um, canticles. This is in my mind super canticles because this yeah. is insanely good. There's no canticle that gives you plus one to win, plus one advance and charge, you know, that blood that blood angels get. Your, your whole army just, just advances and charges whenever you exactly. like, Exactly, right? and it's just such potent power that you get it for two turns of just slap it down. And dude, canticles are one of yeah. the most ridiculous rules in the game at the moment. And this one, I think, mm, trumps yeah. it because just because of how good the stuff you can apply. Oh, you're against T-Suns? Yeah. Five, whole army, five up, feel no pain against T-Suns, re-rolls, advance, re-roll charges for Black Templars. Oh, um, oh I'm going second. Oh, Raven, Raven Guard, turn one. Essentially getting um, the cover canticle, uh, Shroud's Arm. I call Shroud's Arm, uh, or, uh, but I'm also Stygies. So if I'm in cover already, or, or um, Tide of Shadows, essentially. I get yeah, essentially in Tide yeah. of Shadows, yeah, right? Yeah, you just get to pick Tide of Shadows. <laughs> oh, cool. I, I don't want to be in Tide of Shadows anymore, but I need to close the distance. Oh, White Scars, off we go. It is such a phenomenal play. My brain exploded when I saw this. I'm like, the playbook just yeah. tripled. Like, just tripled with opportunity. Um, and so, yeah, as soon as I read this, I was like, well, yes, those restrictions are fair. Because <laughs> if those restrictions weren't that bad, this would borderline be broken. <laughs> I'm waiting for when dreadnoughts become bad, right? Like yes. when the gap between yeah. the dreadnought lists and the marine infantry lists gets smaller, mm-hmm. this thing gets well, stronger. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge on chapter approved, but like dreads have been in, so contemptors and redemptors have been prevalent in every space marine army for well over a year now. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we might might see some points added to them. I, I hope they don't actually, because mm-hmm. I think we need, they're, like you said, they're the crutch kind of propping up a yeah. lot of the builds at the moment, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get a five or 10 point upgrade. And who knows, that could start shortening the gap. But holy moly, it's so, so, so good. And you get the choice. You're like, oh, cool. I just want Xenos Hunters. Yeah, I just want Xenos Hunters. Yep. It's fine. I'll just keep it. Um, pretty, pretty exciting. All right, so the Wallet Trait. Um, Xenos Bane essentially gives you an aura of Xenos Hunters, but I'll read it out for you guys. Uh, when a friendly Strike Force kill team or Strike Force character unit is within six of this Warlord, that unit has a Xenos Hunters chapter tactic. This means that if you selected a chapter tactic or successor tactic at the start of the battle round due to veterans of a long vigil ability, then they have both. Pretty cool. So you get to have it back. 
Um, now, I don't think this is amazing, personally, but tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. No, I, I don't either. J- just because we have access to better Warlord traits, like we have the Marine Book to start. Yeah. We have the Death Watch Warlord traits tree. Yeah. We have the Phobos tree, as well as the uh, um, chapter-specific Warlord traits in the Codex Space Marines book. So, like, we have a lot to A pick huge from. amount. And in addition to that, you already have yeah. specialized kill teams, which Rigal wants to wound innately versus stuff. So... Just shoot yeah. them out there what they're supposed to be shooting at and you get all the benefits of Xenos Hunters regardless. Yeah, and it's like if, yeah. if you're going to take a Reva Lieutenant for Terra Troops, then this is exactly, irrelevant ex- anyway, exactly, right? Exactly so right. so I, I pretty much, you pretty much know when you've built your list whether this is necessary. Um, and if you analyze your meta as well, you'll see if this is necessary because you'll be like, oh, well, every top list, five out of the, the ten top lists is, you know, Drakari and then two others at Rock. So, yes, Xenos Hunters is going to get value. Um, yeah. But, yeah, otherwise, I think I, I, it's medium. It's not game-breaking, though. Um, tell us about this relic. Um, it's kind of cool. I like um, it. But same kind of thing. You, we're always fighting for relic spots in a Death Watch army. It, it ascent, without me reading all the words out, it essentially allows you to swap out a secondary objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if the Death Watch secondary objectives were all amazing, it actually allows you to take two Death Watch secondaries, mm-hmm. if you could. Um, and I've played around with another one of the Death Watch secondaries called the Long Vigil, which is pretty much you've got to keep people out in meta. You know, it's pretty bad at the moment. Um, but, like, if there was a second Death Watch secondary that for some reason was good, as well as Suffer Not the Alien, this would be cool. But same thing. I'm not really writing home about well, it. Well, see, I like this for a couple of interactions. So one of the biggest things that I notice about um, Death Watch is that their best secondary, Xenos Hunters, is in No Mercy, No Respite, the same place as Oath. Yep. And that's the best yep. switch I see. It's like, okay, I picked Xenos Hunters, and then, but yeah, because your opponent's playing Drakari, and then they pick uh, While We Stand, Rod, and Engage, and they're just going to not come anywhere near you and pick up and just throw out units. We're like, well... I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get to 15 on this. But if you're going to play like that, that means Oath is not a 15. I'll switch it out. Um, yep. That could be a big yep. deal. That's, that's that, cool. I think that's a huge deal. Um, and I think, but I like like with the Waller trade. I think you're going to know whether this is good or not. I think it's very good. I think I think yeah. it's very good. But you gotta have a plan. Like you have a plan. You have your two or three auto set ones, and then you have your two or three backups. Mm. You can even write a cheat sheet for this. If they took this, then yep. pick this. If they took this, then pick this. Um, yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting because it's more of also, like, what do we give up? Like, do we give up the beacon? Do we give up the tome? Yeah, do we give up the Vorkan Patton Ospicator? Mm. You know, yeah. And that's the biggest deal, right? Because up until right now, I never see a Death Watch list that doesn't have max relics. So something's got yep. to something's <laughs> give. And that's the, that's, that's the biggest issue I see. Um, but you do have the... So you get four relics, though, don't you? Because you have a Warlord trait to give you a relic. Yes, uh, spe- a specified one, like one of the four. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. All right, but onto the stratagems, the first of which is an p- absolute stonking paragraph. I'll TLDR this one for the listeners at home. 3 CP, use a stratagem in your shooting phase or fight phase when you select a strike force, Aquila, strike force, Venator, strike force, Malleys, blah, 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 all the strike force specialization units from your army to shoot or fight. To the end of the phase, each time model in that unit makes an attack. A successful hit roll automatically wounds the target if you're attacking the one corresponding to your specialization. Um, 3 CP, and this seems incredible, but expensive. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're already shooting at your specialized you're, thing, yeah. you're re-rolling ones, and if you've picked the Xenos Hunters, you've got full re-rolls to wound, mm-hmm. right? So, like, it's already... You're already getting value by not using 3 CP. Yep. <laughs> um, it's good into T8. It's yeah, really good into, amazing. like, T7 if you're with bolters. Um 
one thing to note here is if you pick an Aquila t- kill team, and without diving too deep into it, an Aquila t- kill team is the cheapest of the upgrades of 15 points, but it doesn't specialize into any one of them. Instead, you pick a, spe- uh, a, a, a battlefield role at the start of the battle um, for it. If you have an Aquila kill team, yep. it works on everything. So the cheapest way to, or the simplest way to kind of build around this is make a unit that has a lot of shots and put Aquila on them. So we're looking at maybe a Gravis yeah, team the with cheapest a bunch way of also... assault alters and... Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if a Gravis yeah. team with, Who, with five aggressors and five, um, you know, assault bolters, that's like 60 a shot. So you can just dunk like 40 yeah. plus wounds on T7, T8 at Neg 1. Like, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, man. Um, do you, kill teams keep the intercessor keyword? Like, if you had a kill team of just intercessors, would they keep the keyword? Keep keyword? Nah, they can't double tap, unfortunately. That's what I was about to say, because that would be a cheeky, cheeky yeah. assault bolters, pick tactical, go in, ah, 60 auto wins, yeah. suck it. Um, like, this this lets you split fire, though, so you can split fire into, let's say, two admech or two orc flyers cool. and, and comfortably kill yeah, them. That's so cool. it's, it's quite nice, yeah. Because mm. with, with the Vorken, plus maybe plus one different chappy, you could even hit them on twos rolling ones, which is nice. Mm. I, I think there's a... Yeah, I think having one unit in your army that is kind of ticked to, like, maybe... What's the redeploy? Is it, it's not Tome of Eclipse. It's the you pick them up, put them down. Uh, the, the beacon, beacon. angelus. Having yeah. one unit that's teched to get like a beacon play to just like oh, I just need to kill three buggies this turn. I oh, cool. I can get an angle over here. Beacon them over. Dunk, dunk, dunk. That feels pretty, pretty nice. Um, but mm. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what weapons uh, that you can, what kill team that'll be, and I think that's. I, I'll leave that to better yeah. to better uh, Death Watch specialists. Maybe we'll talk. about I got it. really excited about ten combi flamers, and then I realized uh, it was hit to, roll. Yeah, so the, yeah, yeah. I have to do hit roll. I did the same thing. I was like, ha, 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 auto hitting, auto wounding. You know, why do we need dice anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, not the case. Tell us about the next one. Uh, is that the teleport it one? Is. Because this is my favorite strat of all of them. Um, it's essentially a one CP free teleport homer that that pulls you into strategic reserves or pulls you into like deep strike, and then you can redeploy the next turn. Um, the good thing about this is it means some lists won't need the beacon because we have the option to do this. The better thing about this compared to something like Guerrilla Tactics is you can do it while you're in combat. I was about combat. to say, it is an every turn Veil of Darkness, but you just have to wait a turn to redeploy because there's yeah. no engagement rate restriction. Oh, cool, you wrapped me, or I already used Ultramarine, so I can't fall back and shoot. Well, guess I wasn't yeah. going to do anything next turn anyway. Might as well beam them out. Um Absolutely yeah. sick. I actually think I think it's very because, underrated. Yeah, because I started putting the Beacon Angelus back into my Death Watch list to deal with the Beast Nagger Boys mm. or the Morvan's Agonizer or Witches or stuff that catches me in combat. Um, now I don't need to worry about that because I can just one CP pop them out, worst case. Um, you know, and um, the cool thing about this, although you bring them back the next turn, that can sometimes be nice in a game where you've just got infantry mm-hmm. to slow down the pace of a game yeah. on an important yep. unit. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all. This is, of, of the strats, this is actually my favorite. Nice. Oh, I think it opens, it's, just, it's another thing that just opens up the playbook. I mean, you can have Phobos kill teams and you can be doing guerrilla tactics and this every turn and essentially just kind of. Uh, one turn I use Gorilla Tactics, next turn I use this one, Gorilla Tactics, this one. And every turn you can just be junk, every single turn they have to screen, every single turn. Different profiles, different defensive things, just bang, 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 always dropping something on them. It could be pretty pretty exciting. Uh, this is an interesting one. So we're starting to, all, all of a sudden there's a trend. We've had two books, the, the Black Templar book, and now this this um, Army of Renowned. And all of a sudden a trend is happening because you can make a Super Sergeant. So this is uh, one CP honored veteran of the watch. Use a strategy before the battle when you are mustering your army. If your warlord or strike force keyword, sorry, if your warlord has a strike force keyword, select one death watch model in your army that has the word sergeant in their profile. They get plus one wound and they get to get a warlord trait. 
Um, this is similar to Champion of the Feast, but instead of getting plus one attack, plus a weapon skill, you get a Warlord trait. So half half a dozen, you know, it's same, same, pretty level for what you're doing. But this guy can add a bunch of buffs to your army where the other guy just kind of self-buffs. Um, this is another little playbook. You can really... And when you've got, like we said at the start, super specialized, super teched up kill teams that are you know, kind of blown out points-wise, adding as much value as you can to keeping them alive, it seems this seems like the way to go, right? Yeah, we, we could talk about this for so long, couldn't we? Like We were talking about the option of giving them Artificer mm-hmm. Armor and Adamantium Mantle. So got a two-up I'm going to say five up invert and a five up feel no pain on the sergeant. So how how are you giving them both, um, by the way? Because you've got the, the strat to give a sergeant a special issue war gear, now a strat to give him a warlord trait, yes. which can be the warlord that's trait correct. to give him a relic. So <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that should have explained yeah, that. No but um, also you have some some crazy options where you can give them Paragon of the Chapter, which allows you to pick the Black Templar's trait, Earthkeeper. So you have a six-inch Rorikin unit. Um yeah, is so, there some discussion on that? Is it giving it to the unit, or is it the model gets a six inch? So the model can jump around if any any part of the unit gets engaged, the model can get in. Yeah, but it's that's it's, cool. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know which one. Which we'll have to get a ruling on which one that is. Yeah, yeah, but you could set up situations where that sergeant sitting behind a wall six inches out from an that's objective, true. Um, and you could just jump out. That's so true. I, that that's nice. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there's there's other cool stuff you can do there. Um, I think it's probably this isn't a, a toolkit I've looked at in depth yet but i think some players will really be able to pump up like a big gravis team or a big t- uh, mm. kill team with terminators and stuff and, and get full use of this yeah I'd, so i'm pretty i excited. definitely think there's a hell of a lot of play here uh, i mean or the auto one or, or, automatically i mean i've deep dived this with black templars is to go iron resolve and um mm-hmm. well because i've been doing it on a chappy but um plus one wound because you already get plus one wound so you can go for a five wound yeah uh <laughs> you can't get an outrider sergeant can you so you can't get a six wound but a five wound gravis armor dude <laughs> is still pretty sick yeah, that's crazy. Um, all right, what's the last of these stratagems? Uh, all right, so we've got uh, Black Vault Bolts. Uh, you really wanted me to talk about this, didn't I you? I did. It's essentially you pick a unit, their weapons become heavy one, and on a wound roll of six, you do a mortal wound, to a max six mortal wounds. I, Just don't worry about it, guys. Uh, so everybody's it. getting this. Like It seems like everybody's getting this. This is another ninth edition paradigm. Everyone's getting this. Here's your X amount of mortal wounds you get to sprinkle. I'm sorry, Necrons, you only get th- Mephrit get three. For some reason, they decided six was the new cap Half, you know, after the Necron book came out. So apologies. I really hope they FAQ that because that should be six because everyone's getting six. But you compare this to the freaking Sisters one where it's hit rolls of six. It's a mortal wound. And you're like, yeah. well, so, okay, so you change my Storm Bolters, which would be four shots to one shot. And then it's a wound roll of a six. So where am I getting these... Um, these 36 shots needed to generate six, you know, possibly have the option to generate the six wound rolls. Um, <laughs> and you're like, ah. I guess you popped home. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, uh, the metrics, I mean, this makes all the sense in the world if you've got like a two wound Mortarian buzzing around. You're like, well, mm. cool, let's just put the guy down. The other one I thought of was the Spectrus kill team with five eliminators. And so the sixes to wound will be two mortal wounds. Yeah. So that, that see that's nice. Yeah, that's yeah. cute. So you're already sniping characters, and you already generate mortal wounds on sixes. And if you've got four rerolls to wound or some other stuff, you know, hit on twos, rerolling, wound on you know threes, you know, rerolling or rerolling ones, you can mm. generate like you know four to six mortals pretty reliably for one CP. That seems pretty good. Yeah. And funnily enough, like five eliminators in meta is actually not a bad choice with Las Fusels because mm. you can, you know, stick, let's say, you can stick a, them in a big unit with a Helix Adept. Um, you can even break off four with a Helix. You're sitting in cover with yeah, a one-up. You can be neg one to yeah. hit. There's a lot of jank you can pull on that. So, yeah, I rate it. So, yeah, good point. It could be a, a cool way to just 
just dunk yeah, mortal wounds. It's, well, it, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's never gonna. It's never gonna dunk mortal wounds. It's just gonna sprinkle. It's like uh, here's, yeah. here's your little sprinkle <laughs> of mortals, your little cherry on top to an already good yeah. play. But yeah, that's actually yeah. the entirety of the the kill team strike force rules. So, mm-hmm. my man. We already know from the review we did, so the last episode we did with our, our good mate, the Falcon, that he's sitting around the A- minus at the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is enough to change that at all? Do you think they're going to stay A-? minus? Will they go A, A+, plus? will they be B+, B plus, S? What do you think this is going to do for the Death Watch? Yeah, like when when I first saw the rules, my hopes were pretty high. Um, and, you know, I was like, oh my God, we have all these answers. We can do this, we can do that. And then I put it on the table. Um, I've played two games with it now and I've just realized how fragile it is compared to the Dreadnoughts. Mm. Um, especially because the Neguan, like there's a couple of things. Like let's say we look at just a big Gravis team or a big Terminator team compared to three Redemptors or two Redemptors. The... Redemptors are always tougher, T7. Uh, they always have, um, you know, neg one damage, which is nice. But, and, you know, with the big Gravis team, you can bring them back with an Apothecary versus healing with a Tech Marine. Yep. But you'll get stuff that hits a Gravis team hard enough that the Apothecary can't bring it back. Like, if something hits three or four dudes down a turn, you're only bringing one back, yeah. it'll eventually get yep. you. Versus the Dreadnoughts have a natural breakpoint of, you shoot a dreadnought, you kill a dreadnought, the other two are fine, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah. And I think that breakpoint is becoming more relevant at the moment with things like WAS bombs and things like, you know, bulk Dark Lance profile things rolling around. Mm. Um, where a big Gravis team, like my biggest issue with the Gravis team when I played it, because I played it for a bit like at Uprising, is when a dedicated combat unit hits it, it just Dies, like yeah, insta dies, yeah. 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 Versus a dedicated combat unit hits a dreadnought, might kill it, but if it doesn't kill it, I got two more dreadnoughts behind it to mm. run in. So, um, I, my comparison is always to the current Death Watch list. Yep. Um, and the other thing I'm I'm a bit annoyed that it loses. Um, this list loses is the little tech pieces like you know I liked Assault Centurions in Death Watch, list, <laughs> and we're losing that and. Man, they they did some heavy freaking lifting mm. for me. But um, you know, you're losing random little tech pieces that otherwise you could have. Like you can't take a whirlwind. Like you're true, all true. of a sudden yep. a, a marine combat army, an MSU combat army, and you have no ranged fight last. The best thing you can do is a six inch uh, uh, judica, judica, yeah, yeah. So like losing that, even though the dreadnought list didn't need that, now the infantry list kind of needs it, and you don't have it. It's true. So it's, it's true. <laughs> so it's, um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm interested. I'm going to be playing around with this uh, army of renown a lot. Like I'm going to um, play test a fair bit. Um, we'll see if it uh, you know is good or if my brain's big enough to use it. Um, it's definitely exciting to get some mm. new rules. I'm not convinced it'll take us higher than the A minus, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm seeing this as an exciting side grade. Um, yeah, oh, like an opportunity cost side grade for the right meta. Um, but I don't. Th- I don't see it improving Death Watch overall. I think it's just adding another, another, op- yeah, an- uh, just another solid build to, uh, or an already an yeah. army that already has some decent builds. Um, I think though, like I think if Nids come back in a bit, like, I've been saying this the whole time. Um, Death Watch is, only, is still only going to get stronger. Nids come back in a big yeah. way. Eldar's got to got to be around the corner somewhere. Um, there's still mm-hmm. two major factions, Xenos factions, to be injected into this game. And um, yeah. so, yeah, who knows? This stuff could like, could just explode. Like in in two months' time, yeah. this could just be like the best Space Marine build there is. Um, yeah, but that's if you were to give it a score out of ten, zero is the worst, ten is the best. What would you rate it as? As in strength in current meta, or what it did for the faction? what it did for the faction? Oh, look, 
if five is like a neutral, I'd, I'd say a seven or an eight, man. Like mm. it, it gave us a lot of mm. new options for our infantry yep. because our infantry game, like to be to be fair, was getting a bit stale, wasn't it? Yeah. Like it was just shotguns and bikers yeah. and vanguard vets, which is cool, but definitely stale. Um, so it gives us more options there. And yeah, exactly like you said, like the like Death Watch, I thought was at its weakest when Marines and Death Guard and Custodes are in this exactly right because they're armies that Death Watch really struggle to fight against because mm. they're like we can't really out durable them and none of our special stuff works on them particularly well. Uh, but when you know Custodes and Death Guard take a little dip, they're still strong. Um, but especially when Marines take a dip because other factions are good, then we kind of came out to shine. So you know if if things start evolving, maybe this could be like a an eight or nine out of ten you know meta. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. The way I th- and for those at home, the way we do the the way i like to do the the tens if it if it's just giving them more of the same i give them a five it's a pass if it's expanded like it's expanding upon a current build it's a pass if it's mm. worse than what they currently got it's a three it's a four it's a two whatever it is yeah um eg that was my rating for black templars my black templars i think i gave them a three yes. because it was worse than what they got mm. it's not bad but it's worse yeah. than what they had now yes. i yeah. with these guys I, I agree i think it's around a seven it's adding to the playbook for death watch players and it's good in and of itself like if this was the only build for Death Watch, it would still be pretty good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I actually I'm quite a fan. I quite quite like it. <laughs> well, while you say that, Adam, that's how it was for Death Watch all through like eighth, right? Because we didn't have access to the full Marine. Exactly book. right. So it just feels like that. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah, exactly right. But that one thing, that that one thing they got, because I'm I literally see this as they got one thing and then some some supporting stuff for that one thing that mm. one thing being yeah. i get to choose to be any chapter i want in addition to that you already yeah. have the bonus of getting to choose whatever doctrine you want and so it just feels mm. like yeah like the whole the whole world is your oyster you're like well i get to pick cherry yeah. pick whatever i want and that feels to me very admech like if they had a full yes. like if you had the full space marine codex do you think this would be op Oh wow! Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if we had, if I mean. we had dreadnoughts and sensors, exactly. yeah, this would be this would just be the best way to play marines, right? Be. Like you wouldn't play any other marines. Now here's the, here's, the, here's the thinking <laughs> exercise: Would it be better than admech? Because that's a, that is what admech has. They have doctrinas, they have canticles, they have you know eg eg yep. doctrines and chapter tactics, and they just get to pick their poison. Um, would that would that be better or worse than admech? I I think we'd be close, mate. I think we'd be damn close. I think you'd be a plus plus or s minus. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> there wouldn't be much that could stand up to that. Nah. You just drop a whole army in with plus one to charge and plus one to wound, like Blood Angels. Mm-hmm. You mount up a, a, a little a move to the middle, and then your whole army advances and charges. Like huge. Well, massive. I just I just think of thirty Vanguard vets or um, oh, yeah. or Blade Guard or all the insane little bits and pieces that you could do, and people would just lose their minds deep diving what you could do. Yep. Let's happy we're not. Let's not go down that further anymore. In fact, if we're going to do it, let's do it in part <laughs> two. So we're going to hit pause on this uh, one. Yep. We're going to pause on this one. We're going to wrap up. I'll we'll see you back after probably a short little clever interlude by Seamus, and I'll be rejoined by <laughs> Brandon Grant. So, Denise, anything you'd like to say in closing? No, I um, have purposely held myself back in part one, so you can all wait for part two for the, <laughs> the spicy tech, because I've got, there's a lot, mate. There's a lot. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> right, I look forward to it. All right, see you soon, Denise. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. And we are back, and we're joined by a gentleman making these, I think it's third or fourth showing on the program. On, do, I call this, do I call this show a program? Podcast, whatever. Uh, Mr. Brandon Grant. Hello, my dude. Well, it's good to be back, Adam. Thanks for having me. Oh, I just love having you back on. Um, now, we're here to review the Cadian supplement, but uh, you're, you've jumped the guard ship, so to speak. You are most famous 
as a guard player, but I always think of you as a Dark Angels player as well. So you and I, I feel we're quite close uh, in a couple of our alignments. But um, you're right now, you're playing Sisters, aren't you? I am. In fact, the next event, which will happen shortly after this event is recorded, will be the SoCal Open. I'm bringing Sisters there. Exactly right. Well, this episode will be coming out the Tuesday after SoCal. So if, what's your expectation? You going to win or you going are going to be happy with a, because it's a, it's a nine rounder, but they do six rounds and cut to a top eight. Like what's your, you know, call your shot if you want. If we were talking about end results, I'd be extremely happy just to make it to the third day. Uh, it yeah, looks like it's going to be a field of sharks. So if I can even get to the top eight, that would be amazing. Well, I know of the top players in the ITC at the moment, Naden's in attendance. And he's playing Drakari. His list is, is savagery personified. I don't think the man has ever not made a top eight. Like, I don't think he's ever been to an event that had the option of top eight and he hasn't found himself there. But there may be some wildly crazy crap in sixth edition where he didn't make the cut. But um, enough about that. We're here to talk about Kadia. Now, Kadia is close to home for me because I've got about 11,000 points of beautifully painted Kadians and it's my, my flagship, my army, the, the army that I'm probably most, most known for in the past. Um, have you been sitting with them? Have you have you played much uh, guard in, in ninth edition? Because I know you haven't had as many opportunities as some others. Actually, I have tried some guard in ninth edition, and I really was not impressed with the change in ninth mm. that I felt didn't suit guard at all. So in eighth, the way guard worked is your army took up too much space to hide everything. Mm. So generally you'd have some vehicles and or infantry exposed, but that was okay. Cause everything wasn't ridiculously killy from more than 24 inches away. Yep. Turn one at least. So mm-hmm. you'd lose even 30 guardsmen and still have 90 of them and be okay. Cause guardsmen were four points a model. Exactly. So with the points updates, uh, and with everything getting far more murderous in ninth compared to eighth, guard has really suffered because they still have the same amount of taking up huge amounts of space deployment issues where it's hard to get everything out of mm-hmm. line of sight. They also have issues where some of their heaviest hitting units in the codex have to move half speed or less. Yes. At Layman Russ in order mm-hmm. to actually participate reasonably. And if yep. they come in from reserve, they always count as moving maximum speed. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult for you to take some of the key units in guard and either start them on the board in a safe spot and or reserve them and have them participate reasonably well. So those were some of the issues I was looking for the Cadian rule supplement to address. Yeah. Which was you can start infantry on the board and mm-hmm. have them be useful during the course of the game and or uh, make tanks easier to start on the board because I don't know, they're easier to hide or Mm -hmm. they can show up from reserve and actually participate. Actually participate. And I'd like to expand upon that, some of the the issues facing guard as well. So guard in 7th edition, 8th edition, they really had this thing to them where it was like, well, I have more stuff than you. And we're playing a game where you want to play with like durable stuff and I'm going to play with lots of stuff. But now everybody plays with lots of stuff. And so the thing that was e- that was even brought us to the party as being like, I mean, I remember in, in 8th edition, yeah, the first successful 8th edition guard army I had was 120 to 180 fearless conscripts. So I just had more stuff than you did. Um, and then that that transferred into, you know, say having six to nine 10-man infantry squads when I first started in, in 9th edition. And then yeah, that turned infantry into some, were very cost-effective and you ex- could bring 100-plus yeah. of them. Exactly. But then I, you know, Drakari came out and then all of a sudden they had... 
more squads than I did. Like I had more bodies, but they had more squads, and ha- and that's really the, the dichotomy of Ninth Edition. Everything kills everything, and so if everything kills everything, the only interaction you need to worry about is how many times do they have the option to point at something and kill it. And if I have more of my units, then they have options to point at things, either by um, having controlling the lines of sight or by having just a density of units, e.g., ultra MSU. Then you know I have the opportunity to score more points than you. Because um, every turn you don't take away as much as I have an opportunity to send out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so guard comes into this really problem, and you point it straight straight on the head. It's um, the the things that are damage dealing for us are extremely ponderous. They're extremely slow by ninth edition standards. I mean, you look at a raider, you look at a las cannon chicken, and uh, especially the las cannon chicken with two two las cannons can just go from one side of the board to the other side of the board. They can advance with, with strategies. Three plus d three las cannons. Yes. That can hit on two plus rollable. <laughs> yes. Yes. And have a one plus armor <laughs> save. Exactly right. And our guys. So, and I'll, I'd like to say this is the last caveat. Um, I don't think any army, maybe barring Tau, gets hurt more by things like forests. No army in the game cops With forests BS4 as bad as we do. Plus, exactly yes. right. Yeah. Um, um, orcs even orcs, but even orcs have better ways of getting around it than we do. They do. Like it's it's pretty funny. Um, for now at least. But let's start with this this supplement. Uh, sorry, and but f- before we do that, we've we've talked really about there is we tick the box. Where is Cadia and where is Guard standing right now before the implement of this uh, this supplement? What were your first impressions when you cracked it open and went through the rules the first time? So the way I thought about it ahead of time is I don't think there's anything that they can do in a supplement book that's going to address the core issues mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. think from a game design perspective, another thing that made Layman Russ work well in eighth was that most of the weapons that were efficient at killing them needed to be within 24 inches to do spot the on. damage. Yeah, Melter-esque, plasma-esque. And now there's laser chickens and dark lances that will easily mm. do it from 36 to 48 away. Yeah. And they just feel fragile for their cost. So unless yeah, there was going to be an update to the way tanks played completely, in this book, I didn't think any of those core issues were going to be fixed, but mm. I was looking for band-aids. So I was looking for, okay, they're not going to be topped here because of this update, but maybe they'll be better so that they're, maybe they're playable. Like you mm. could go to an event and reasonably expect to do okay. Um, yeah, and have, so, a, have a more enjoying experience than, uh, did I go first and all my guns could see you? Or so did, right which is, off the which bat, you're very unlikely. Yep, starting with the warlord traits, um, two of them are pretty much the warlord traits that no one remembers because they're <laughs> not useless. They're, they're not useful. Yep. So the first is Cadian units within six can shoot while doing an action. And it's, as sisters, I can do that in an aura around mm-hmm. a character and not spend a warlord trait. Correct. And, and in all honesty, oh if you have, gosh. if you, if you're taking, if you take banners, yeah, it, you take banners because you've, you've, you're either out of range to shoot with that unit already, or you've got twenty units and you don't care. Yeah, so you take this it one, because yeah. you're guard and you have tons of infantry squads that weren't going to damage the space marines exactly. anyway. So go ahead exactly and plant right. the banners. Exactly, spot on. So I don't see unless there's some second new secondaries coming out soon that are going to add some more actions. The only time I actually don't mind this. Um, is in with scions, like if I was dropping down scions, but this can't affect scions, so it doesn't matter. Like, exactly. scions could rod and then shoot. But um, no. yeah, that's the only Media time I'd really, units. really want it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the next one, this so, one is the good no. one. And then the other warlord trait 
The, the one I, I'll also mention as being utterly forgettable is a six inch aura of ignore mortal wounds on a five plus. Yes. In the psychic phase <laughs> only, by the way. Um, yes. Guard already absorbs mortal wounds more efficiently than most other armies. Mm-hmm. Why would I take this? Moving on. Yes. So the one that you can actually take as Cadians is Gifted Commander. So at the start of the first battle round, after rolling to see who goes first, you can select either one vehicle unit that's not a Titanic unit, so no super heavies, or three other units, and you can put them into strategic reserve. Yep. And, okay, we were just discussing this. Lehman Russ don't reserve well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Hellhounds and their variants are some of the worst vehicles in the game, mm-hmm. if you ask me, for their cost. Other than for their cost, Im- yeah. immolators, <laughs> good lord, Hellhounds make immolators. Look <laughs> I'd say Doomsday Archer up there as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I pay, what, 20 points for six transport capacity equivalent? Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Anyway, yep. so there's not that many units you could use it on but i do like the idea of building your list around this with mm. so certain units so we'll come back to this one because one of the big things that guard struggles with is deploying things correctly yes and being able to take this warlord trait can mitigate some of that uh, it's exactly you can fix your deployment pre um you know pre-turn one you deploy see where your opponent deploys for this with this warlord trait you just fix your deployment Cool. Yep. I, I, that one was stuffed up. He's done a hard flank there. A cool redeploy here. Bada bing, bada boom. Um, it feels it feels pretty good to have in your pocket, especially as a guard player. Um, onto the relics though. Yes. I'll do this. I'll do this first one, and then we'll tit for tat. Um, so this is Deco's Auto Vox Servo Skull. Each time the bear uses Voices Command ability, you can extend the range from six to twelve. And then in addition, if this bear is within three of a friendly Vox caster, it can exchange the range of orders up to seventy-two inches if the thing it's ordering also has a Vox caster. So the whole table. So if you're next to a Voxcaster and there's a Voxcaster on literally the entire opposite corner, you can still give them an order. This sounds good, but I'm notorious for never never taking a Voxcaster. But Same. I might now. I might take two or three. I um, still wouldn't bother mm-hmm. because five points is a whole body, and I want more bodies. I'm just callous that way. It's true. But <laughs> I've been playing for long enough without Voxcasters that I don't really feel... Well, their absence. So the only time I think I might want to use it is if I'm wielding uh, special weapon squads and veterans from reserve. Um, and, and sorry, but and command special squads. Special weapons can't. Take I can't a take a vox card. Yeah, so that's right. It was only veterans because command squads can. Yeah, command, command squads, squads can't take can. it. But you got to give up. Do you have to give up a special weapon to do it? Yes. The, the yeah, exactly. The vox so can't have a special. It's, it's 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 ridiculous. You don't do it. Um, but the veteran squads can because the veteran squads you can have four plasma guns, heavy flamer, um, jumping from outflank. Um, yes, and and then so you that's can, the kind of squad where you can outflank them, yeah. for free with your warlord trait. Exactly, and that might be interesting. Or the dagger and the warlord trait, and you can have a whole but, bunch coming in from different, all different yeah, table quarters. At that point, you're already putting the dagger on an officer anyway, so you're gonna have an officer next to them when they show up. Well, that, that's the guy who goes with the command squads, and then yeah. you get a bunch of veteran squads that can do the same thing, and but they're not they're not shackled to coming anywhere near the, the officer. They can just go wherever they need to be. But that's a whole play style. It's a whole gimmick, and you're right, it's a gimmick. So, and if you were <laughs> going to spend the CP to put something in reserve, I feel like you just put the officer in reserve anyway because he's a p- couple power level. Well, that's well, that's exactly right. And if he's giving out all those orders standing on the back line, like he's not double moving your guys on the front line. So nope. it's yeah, it's weird. Anyway, what's the next one? Because I quite like this next one, uh, Gatekeeper. 
Gatekeeper is the Hammer of Sundrance Mark II. So I love it. It's the, the flat free damage battle cannon, but it also with, gets plus one to wound against chaos for some yeah, reason. Little cherry on top. If, you, if we didn't hate on chaos time, hard enough already. Every time Games Workshop does this, I'm shaking my head because <laughs> making stuff that's only good against one faction, it's a feels bad when Guard is using Vengeance for Kadia to totally steamroll. Battle of Lost Kadia, Vengeance for Kadia, now Gatekeeper. Like, where does it end? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we get uh, it. Cadians K- hate chaos, but I love. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. But, but it's as, critical as a as a guy who plays Team Forty K. I'm all of a sudden like, well, I can take Yarrick and I can take Cadia now and just be anti chaos, anti orcs, yep. and that feels pretty good. But regardless, a flat three damage battle cannon is actually interesting. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, if I were to redo the guard decks, I think I would just make battle cannons flat three I, damage. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what's happened with the... Is it the Battle Cannon in the Defiler has gone to flat three? I, so be, uh, yeah, I've noticed the Castigator Battle Cannon's flat three, which is yeah. the Sisters Battle Cannon, but it's also strength nine and AP three. So I'm hoping yeah. that the new profile is going to be strength eight, AP two, flat three damage. I hope so as well. All I'd be very happy cannons, with that. Because right now, there's so much damage one reduction in the game mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. damage two doesn't really do as much as it used to. So yeah. flat three is where it's at. I mean, it's, I don't think a space marine should be getting up after he gets wounded by a battle cannon. Um, shell, yeah, exactly right. All right, next one is Bastone's sword, model with a power sword only. Bearer has the following ability: uh, Bastone's example aura. While a friendly Cadian infantry unit is within six of the bearer each time a combat tition test is taken for that unit, you can ignore all modifiers. Um, and the relic has the following profile: strength plus two, minus three, two damage. My lord, do I am I not putting an upgrade of anything on any officer ever? Unless they are a Catachan and yeah. in the middle of 8th edition. It's <laughs> which thematic, case, maybe. Um, but does you're spending a relic to probably save maybe, what, five guardsmen over the course of the game? So theoretically, yeah, you got you got a 30-man conscript brick, and they lose exactly 14, like exactly 15 guys. So you fail your test, you roll, you roll whatever, you lose one dude, and then it's 14 dice you on ones and twos. Yeah, so you're so, saving two each time you do a max test, so it's yeah. ten points each time you use it. Ten, it's like, ten points every time you get to use it. At, but and that's, that's oh in, my gosh, no. I know, that's in the best okay. example. If your opponent kills 20 out of your 30-man brick, um, and you only roll, you, you roll, sorry, so they kill 20 out of the 30-man brick, you roll eight dice, and on ones or twos, maybe you saved one guy that would have run. You're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Does, it, it doesn't do anything. If you really need to, guard don't really lack for cp you just auto pass it anyway if you're on that critical objective or take the d3 or you know there's a bunch of other ways have the psychic power to auto pass have a have the yeah there's a bunch of bunch of ways to get better options for for morale mitigation it's mostly just there because it's a mastercrafted power sword which is reasonable stats but it's it's, yeah it's on a character who's not really built for melee well he's got what three four attacks at best with a priest three attacks yeah, four with a priest. Four attacks then, with a priest. Yeah, it's going to hit you on glorious... That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, it's going to be strength five. Congratulations. Uh, hitting on right. threes. <laughs> hitting on threes. You're up next. Uh, then we've got the Tactica Pax Cadia, which is when uh, you're within six inches of the bearer, battle tactic or strategic ploy stratagems that require selecting a Cadian unit Cost one CP the first time you use it. This is which is so convoluted because yeah, this is 
it's really convoluted. It's hard for me to get my head around the actual applications here. It but I feels think like I've... a worse Kira's Aquila. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like I would just take Kira's Aquila, and now I have more flexibility in my CP region. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're building your army where you're taking um, Creed and you're taking a strategic genius and you're already regening CP, this just allows you to farm even more CP because mm-hmm. you're not spending it. Yeah, exactly right. So but you're not you, capped by the by the can only get one back a turn. Yeah. You're reducing the amount you spend by one, and then possibly so getting one back as this well. This one has play, but you basically have to make an Excel spreadsheet of all the abilities you're going to use <laughs> when, and then keep this character near those units for the right time. So you're building mm. your list around this ability, but it's a nice option. Yeah, well, see, I the only thing is I haven't deep dove like the the strengths or weaknesses of those stratagems. I mean, the the, the battle tactical strategic ploy stratagems. I, I couldn't tell you what the categories strats are in anymore. They've all just become a blur. I can tell you, though, that Guard have one of the deepest, biggest buckets. Like, they've got a bathtub of available stratagems at this point. We still have quite good yes. ones in our codex. We have very good ones in Psychic Awakening. We have, uh, And then, of course, we have an entire, also essentially another mini codex in the, the Astromilitarum supplement. And now we have all these as well. Like it's our glass overfloweth with options, but you just got to figure out where the hell those options are. Um, I'm hoping I'm yep. hoping um, overlapping fields of fire is one of these. By the way, I mean, in fact, I might even check while you tell us about this well, first stratagem. The new there is no new codex that has special names for the the CP abilities. Of so it's course, only the CP abilities from this book. Of course, you're absolutely right because those the, of course the eighth edition codex wouldn't have any of the the defined. Battle tactics, strategic no. ploy stuff. So you can't even... Ah, yeah. No, no, no. I hate that strat. Until we get a codex, forget that relic well, exists. Let's come back to that. <laughs> You'll tell me what what each uh, of these stratagems are viable for, but uh, I'm just going to skip right to the one that really stood out to me as the best CP ability was yep. Load, Fire, Reload. Me too. First of all, it's one CP ability. One CP is so much better than two CP. Yeah, and uh, pick a Cadian vehicle that has a blast weapon. Um, blast weapons it has are exploding sixes to hit. However, if you're targeting a vehicle, it's two additional hits on a six to hit. Yeah, monster or vehicle double exploding sixes. So true so, Tesla. Yeah. Uh, if you're using the Cadian order where you're holding still, so you reroll ones to hit. You issue the order to reroll ones to hit. Oops, actually you reroll two hit, and then you have exploding sixes to hit you basically are hitting more times than you're shooting just before you even account for the bonus of two extra hits on sixes versus vehicles. So load fire reload is insane, especially when you've got um, let's go vengeance for Cadia plus the, I can't believe it's not hammer of Sundrance plus one to wound battle cannon. And Mm -hmm. you can just delete something off the table. Well, you know, it, it makes a plague burst crawler no longer seem like an impediment at all. Like, so that PBC this, would have been hard to kill. Ah, I can drop enough CP that it's not a thing. This is the core of the book for me, is that the new CP abilities are allowing Cadians to put out an obscene amount of firepower. Hmm. So they don't have mobility, they don't have toughness, but they have firepower now. Yes. Just with this ability, well, plus the Hammer of Sundrance hmm. relic, the Gatekeeper. Hmm. Well, and also we've got, a, we've got another stratagem to give our blast weapons max shots against a yes. vehicle. Don't we? Full so we can, just auto, we can just auto 12 shots if we need. Um, against vehicles. Against vehicles, of course. But so just to run through these from the top, the first one's Katie Stands. This one was um, 
previewed by Games Workshop. Um, you get Baby Transhuman, so can't be wounded on a one or a two. It's for a Cadian Infantry unit. It is one CP. And um, you add what you get Lucius as well. So if there's only a damage one attack, you get plus one to your save. Now, what this does when you add up all the little other bits and pieces that give us options essentially adds up to meaning we can have a two plus save in the open with the Cadian Infantry model. That being by the stacking of uh, one CP for go to ground, a psychic power called psychic barrier, and then this in addition. So against a one damage attack, we can be um, baby transhuman, so as in cannot be wounded on twos, and then have a two up save. I've I was quite excited about this when I first read it, um, but the applications and the amount of resources strains it puts on you becomes a little bit onerous. But we'll I, we'll talk about it a little bit more in part two. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about shock troops? So. On the point of Cadia stands, I've been doing a lot of theory crafting with sisters, mm-hmm. and um, sisters have three up armor T three, so they're basically yep. guardsmen with plus two to their save natively, and they mm-hmm. don't have ways to improve that like Cadians do. So there's no plus one to your armor save. Yeah, um, the only plus they have is they can count as being in cover in the open if they take Junith Arusha. That's yep. it. So That's it. there's a lot of stuff where. I was doing math on Valorous Heart, which allows you to ignore AP1 weapons. And even Sisters of Battle are really not that tough in terms of being able to remove models versus certain builds in the game. So I'm thinking of things like um, Admech, for one, with the 60 shots at Strength 4 AP2 that don't miss, um, being a big problem, because they also ignore cover. So Mm -hmm. they're knocking you down to a 4+, plus even with all of your buffs, and they do enough wounds that they will wipe you out anyway. So there are certain builds in the game where you can build an anvil of conscripts, and it doesn't matter. So I like it in some situations, but it's not something you're going to build around to reliably have a unit that won't die, especially Mm -hmm. on turn one. It is a nice thing to force your opponent to throw a hammer at you just to get you off the objective. That's that's my thought. That would be my thoughts as well. And it also gives you just a um, gives you a buffer of, of zone control of just area of control. Hey, I'm just going to spread out these thirty guys, and they're just going to take up a bunch of board, and they're just going to stop you getting to yep. my gun line one turn one turn earlier. And um, the fact that it's a CP ability, you don't have to spend the CP. Exactly. They're just going to murder you anyway, and they can't see anyone exactly else. Don't right. bother. Beautiful. Um, so shock troops is a one slash two CP stratagem. Use stratagem in your movement phase when a Cadian unit from your army makes a normal move to the end of the turn. That unit is considered to have remained stationary. Then each time a ranged attack made by a model in that unit targets a unit within half range. Improve the armor penetration characteristic by one. If that unit is, is infantry, the stratagem costs one. Otherwise, it costs two CP. Now I, I, I quite like this one. I actually think so, it's quite good. First of all. Um, they gave this to guard previously in the uh, old 8th edition book where you could spend a CP to count as moving half speed even though you Mm -hmm. moved, Mm -hmm. but only for the turret weapon. So now they've made it 2 CP and you count as making uh, stationary instead of normal move, which still really only affects the turret weapon. So it's the same ability for tanks as before, but for 2 CP, but honestly, Mm -hmm. just doing this once per game and combining it with load, fire, reload on Mm -hmm. a tank commander demolisher with Yep. Um, take your pick of any of the veteran picks. Maybe throw um, an auger array on there and a hunter killer mm-hmm. missile. Um, this thing will alpha strike something real hard when it can move ten inches and fire everything exactly at right. full payload. So well, you, we talk about some like five CP to do all of that. Mm-hmm. But if it's a critical target, maybe it's worth it. And again, you don't have to spend the CP if it's not a good plan. So it's just 
another ability that's okay. Yeah. But it's very CP hungry. There's also this crazy breakpoint on a couple of our weapons. So Manticores started to drop off quite hard with the prevalence of Ignore, Rend 1 and 2. Manticores have a 120-inch range. So you within are in six, half range. Within, you are. You just are. Did you d- deploy the model? It's in half range. Um, so, ju- But getting to that Rend 3 breakpoint sometimes is just worth it. And then you could couple that with Exploding 6s as well. It's going to be a 3 CP investment. But going from that Metacore going into a 2 plus save to now going into a 5 plus save, holy crap, it just does stuff now. So actually, I'm a big fan of this. I like it in theory on the Hammer of Sundrance tank as well mm-hmm. when you need those extra 5 inches of move to get around a yeah. corner. And then well, that's that, another th- you're easily in half range of the battle cannon, which makes it AP3. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, that battle cannon is uh, 36 inches is its half range. 36, which is most, you know, most of the board. Um, and it's 41 effective range for that half move because um, you move for, yeah. you know, five inches. For so the, the under shoot. the right circumstances, I think it's good, but I would only personally use it on a tank commander with either the hammer of gatekeeper relic or a demolisher mm-hmm. cannon. Fair, fair, fair. Um, next up is field promotion. This is a this is pretty much can be TLDR down to if you if your Cadian warlord dies, you can pay a CP to give another Cadian officer a warlord trait. Yeah, there's not yes. there's much more to this. But they don't count as your warlord. They just yeah. count as having a warlord trait. And honestly, yeah. looking over the warlord traits, the first one I thought of was old grudges. Yes. But technically, you pick the old grudges target before the game starts, so uh, you can okay. give that warlord trade out, but it won't do anything. You can't retarget. Nope. Um, I, I thought, what about grand strategist? Because you, that grand strategist has, comes with one free reroll. If you reapply it, do you get the free reroll back? Um, yeah, you can use it yeah. once per game. So That's what I, I think That's you quite, pretty much always cute. use it for grand strategist. Yeah, or maybe for implacable determination for the auto six advance if you really needed mm-hmm. it that turn in a certain spot. But most of the time, you're going to take grand strategist. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, that, was, that was my immediate assumption. Um, next up, we have Sanctioned Psyker. I'm going to TLDR this one as well, because these are really big, like a, a paragraph of stratagems. It's yeah. one CP. Use stratagem before the battle when you're mustering your army. Select one primary Psyker or Weirvein Psyker. Uh, that Psyker gains, gains uh, Cadian keyword, adds one to deny the witch tests, and can do the following Psychic action. Can do a Psychic Power, which is Warp Charge 4, that lets it um, become an officer, lets it issue an order in the in the preceding... Um, shooting yeah, phase you can um, only use this stratagem once unless it's strike force twice in onslaught so we can use this twice yeah that's um so that's a couple not of not great yeah a couple of layers of issues here firstly um the in in a competitive setting the desire to take a couple of small psychers is the ass has fallen out of that meta because no. you just you just give you just you can't take a border witch versus gray knights and you automatically give t-sons a 15 secondary yep um so really di- disincentivized but we are, but guard really like that psyker. Psychic barrier and night shroud are both phenomenal. So there is an argument here In for right us. Builds. If you're not taking this... conscript blobs or bulgrins, it's really kind of useless. Mm. So in effect, you're paying one CP to give this guy a third, uh, another psychic power. Is the way I look at it. Yeah, it's one CP. Give him another psychic power. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't need the barrier or the the night shroud, then cool, you get to do this. Um, the other thing to note is that we have a little conclave option with the weird veins working with the primary psyker that can let him cast the second power. So they can let him do Psychic Barrier and then do... Or, or is there a rule that says if you do a Psychic Action, you can't do another power? There might I, be something It's like just that. a spell as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's, I'm that's an what army without well. Psychers right now, so mm. I probably don't know. Fair. I don't. Well, I, I haven't played 
a psyker in a very long time, so I don't know either. Um, so apologies there, guys, if we're completely wrong. But if you just look at it like that, one CP for plus one to deny and another spell, maybe it's worth it for you, right? Right. Um, all right, next up is White Shields. A little bit to unpack here. Do you want to jump on it? I like White Shields in the war. They're just conscripts, but they're a little bit better than average because they're mm-hmm. Cadians. They're better at everything. That's right. And um, you spend between one and three CP. And it's one CP for every two conscripts in your detachment. And all the conscripts in that detachment become leadership six, and they lose raw recruits. Raw recruits is the rule that makes it so that orders are only successful if you roll a four or better when you issue the order. Otherwise, it's ignored. So it's kind of cool. If you were going to go for a very conscript-heavy Cadian list and wanted to plan around using the... um, the Cadia stand strat and your psychers for yep. all the plus save minus one to be hit. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. I could see you doing it. The question is, can you start 90 conscripts on the board and not lose half of them? <laughs> and not lose 40, yeah, 45 turn one. Um, and that's the thing. So I've, I've deeped of, of all the bills that came out of this book, I've deeped over this, this bit the much the most trying to see if there was a thing there because i thought it, i thought it was an interesting build and not, not something that's very well well represented in the game at the moment one of the cute things is though if you got 30 conscripts into range of your opponent you could spend um one cp to make them remain a stationary issue them the order for real ones to hit which because your cadent is full rerolls to hit and then you could uh four plus to issue another order and give them first rank second rank eg you'd put out 120 las gunshots but because you're in half range, they'd be at rend one, hitting on fives, re-rolling, and then probably wounding on fives. And so you could essentially just put 30 rend one um, if they shots start down. within 18 inches of you and you if, can see them. Exactly right. Exactly right. And then I was like, oh, well, that sounds good in theory, Adam. But people said the same thing about Orc Boys, and I only get hit by like so, 10 at a time because again, I just can't put that many bodies on you. Because you don't have to spend the CP. None of this is bad. It's just exactly. options. Yep. But if, for example, your opponent tried to hold an objective with something that doesn't like strength 3 AP 1 en masse, mm-hmm. and your regular conscript shooting wouldn't have gotten rid of them, using all those abilities is really good. And I love the idea of counting stationary conscripts full re-rolling to hit because it gets over some of their ballistic skill problems. Yeah. And um, yeah, that seems attractive to me. And it seems like that's what they were kind of pushing everyone to do in taking Cadians is you're going to want white shields, a lot of white shields. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought as well. And so that's why, I, well, because when I read this book, I'm like, that's what it's obviously slapping me in the face with. So let's go down that rabbit hole. Now, the only last one we want to talk about, because we already did uh, fire, load, fire, reload, is never give up, never surrender. This is 2CP, and I'm uh, a big fan of this, but for very specific things. Um, you just strategy and your movement phase, so not in command phase. Um, select one Cadian unit from your army that is within range of an objective marker on the battlefield for the start of your next movement phase. That unit has OPSEC. If they already have OPSEC, they have double OPSEC. And each vehicle counts as five models, so each vehicle in a unit. And you get to add one to a combat attrition test take of that unit, which probably so doesn't matter all that if much. If I had a spearhead of Wayman, Russ, and Cadian, and they are OBSEC, does it count as 10 models? I need an FAQ on that. Because that was I my first thought when I read that this. That was my first thought, too. I was like, holy crap, I can already make a Lehman Russ um, objective secured. But does that mean it just gets objective secured two or objective secured ten? Or does is it, the question? Yeah, does it count as six models? Does it count as yeah, ten models? Exactly. Like, it's yeah. not clear. No, it's not clear. What is cool about this though, and there's a couple of things here. The first cheeky little thing I thought was like, I could take a unit of three sentinels. That's count as fifteen models. Oh, that's gross. Oh, that's hilarious. Or <laughs> I mean, counts as thirty models. 
Or no, uh, they're not obsec. Darn no, it. they're not obsec. But 15 yeah, yeah. models and three sentinels is kind of cheeky when it's you can pretty... throw them forward with a bonus move while you're at it. Exactly. You can just kind of scout move them, then outflank them and be like, but no banners for you, buddy. None. The, zero. No the banners. Thing is, first of all, why are you taking sentinels? Good exactly. God. <laughs> exactly. And number two, move, move, move <laughs> on 10 obsec. Infantry is usually more than enough to steal an objective. And, uh, and a quarter of the points. Um, but what I do find is cool, so let's say they've got let's let's theoretically for people out there you've got five intercessors on an objective now i have a i have a chimera with two heavy flamers which is the way i like to take them sometimes i like two heavy bolters um well in the marine matter i prefer two heavy bolters just because there was so you, you expect know, to remove one of them and one then dude sex and you count as more exactly see you know how much these guys will kill so two heavy flavors go up and you've got a, sometimes i've got a storm bolter on it and i got 10 obsec dudes inside those five intercessors, as soon as I rock up and onto that objective and I kill one with my Chimera, those five intercessors cannot take that objective back for three turns. It's like three turns. They can't They can't kill that Chimera by themselves outside of shooting now, twice in combat two or three times. And that's if they have a fist and like Blood Angels and stuff or White Scars. only problem with this strat, as wonderful as it is, it costs two CP. If it was one CP, right. I think that's it right. would see much more play, but at two, oh man, that's pricey. If this, this is one of the ones you can reduce. You can make this one CP. So technically, there's some cool stuff there. Um, with but this the is relic, one where, you mean? Yeah, 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 with the relic, uh, of course. Or you can just have whatever to get your CP back. Um, so I find this one to be the cutest, as in this is the this is the little piece of jank. Um, it is interesting that it's the end of the movement phase. So I've talked about this on other places. If you see something that gives you obsec in the command phase, it's there to increase your score. If you give you something that gives you obsec in your movement phase, it's there to disrupt your opponent's score. And if you think about it like that, it becomes very simple to now, see what the applications admittedly, are. Adam, if you use it in your movement phase and it counts until your next movement phase, it will still count during your following command phase for scoring your stuff too. Put your guardsmen. Can you be expected to survive until your next movement phase I on an objective? Mean, <laughs> I wish we could buff Cadians so that their tanks could overwatch worth a damn, but right now uh, three yeah. heavy flamers kills one and a half marine and your turret weapon maybe picks up another and then they eat your tank. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's just a it's just a huge durability disparity. Um, I'm happy to say we're still like infantry still have um like some of the best best um dynamic movement in the game. Like just the fact we got just straight up double move double advance uh, on demand is very very exciting. But uh yeah, so summing up this, we've come to the end of that's all the content that, that Katie got. It literally uh, four pages stretched out could easily yep. be two or three pages. Um, how do you does this change anything for guards right now? Yes. Um, I don't know if you listened to our most previous episode. Guard is sitting in the the dead bottom last. half of the of the C tier, bottom half of the C tier. No, so, no, no, it is dead last from what I've seen. There is no fair. other faction that's worse, unless you count Gene Steeler Cult because they're not being played at all. Imperial Fists have the worst okay, uh, percentage, I believe. That's because we've got a small sample rate with these various marine <laughs> factions. <laughs> yeah, look, they're, they're, they're in the bottom. They're bottom feeding, bottom dwelling, no no hiding or dodging it. Does this change anything for them? Will they be C+, B, A? This definitely improves them. And in my opinion, it makes Cadians the de facto regiment that any guard player should be looking at mm -hmm. because the improvements are so crucial. So one... Yeah. Um, We've got firepower, toughness, and mobility. And guard lack all of them currently. <laughs> they don't have the yeah. firepower in melee that other armies have access to. So if you're a marine army, you can be good at everything if you feel like it, just not all at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Um, 
But guard can't be good in melee if you're going pure guard. You have Bulgrins, that's your best melee unit. It's a serious oversight in the list, especially with the number of mechanics that have come back that prevent you from falling back. Um, mm. It's a big deal in those matchups that guard are basically screwed. Um, and yes. there's some... You're supposed to be able to shoot into melee with vehicles, except all the best guard weapons are blasts on Blast. vehicles, and yeah. you can't shoot them into melee. So we have this huge mechanics problem. So w any one of those things being helped is good. The thing that's been helped is mobility. So when we have a strat that allows me to pay two CP to make my layman rust tank count as stationary, even though it made a full move, that's a big deal. Because those extra five inches of move might be the difference between I can't get line of sight to you, and I can. And your opponent, even though you can only do it with one vehicle, has to plan around you can do it with multiple vehicles. So if you have yep. a couple of tank commanders, they need to hide from all of them, assuming they have a 10-inch move. This strat will mm. make a big difference to the damage output of guard and the mobility of guard all by itself. And the extra firepower boost with the flat three damage battle cannon, you can take a tank commander with a battle cannon again. That's amazing. Yes. Yes, yes, um, yes. Um, in fact, I think this really. Well, sorry, we should we should save something for part two. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the stuff this ticks a lot of the boxes for. I mean, there's they have to add other data sheets. They have to do a complete rework to try and make us not the worst army for tapping. Like you just you can tap whatever you want in the guard army, and it's probably can't do anything about it. I mean, you can order to fall back and shoot whatever. But um, you know, if you're tapping if you're tapping a guardsman, you're killing a guardsman, you know? So Yeah, you don't even need to. It's the vehicles well, getting yeah. tapped that's a problem yeah, because the good exactly. vehicles have blast weapons. Yep. Literally, as soon as somebody touches my manticores, that means they're in like the safest part of my deployment zone and the game's probably over. Yes. And, and that's that's the and reality. And with smaller boards and with guardsmen that don't actually screen very well, it's much easier mm -hmm. to tap that manticore. And dude, the sheer speed on some armies out there, the sheer freaking speed. It used to be 24 obnoxious. inches, now it's like 32. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a smaller table as well. Um, so yeah, guards still have a lot of issues. Um, how good would you say, would you rate this out of 10? uh six five six beautiful because five is pretty much they just got more of what they already had so um if we're going on what? an a rating scale six is an f if we're going on five is perfectly average then five they're more pass, like yeah. a two instead of a one. Oh, um so as in how good is this for guard players as in what uh, going from a, uh an f grade well let's call it a d because gene Steeler cult exists to a <laughs> c minus love it i give this a i actually really liked what you said about a six i think this is a six it gives them a little bit more than what they already had before yeah um, it's the c minus d plus grade yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a pass it's just a bit above a pass but it's the problem is it's all just functioning on poor poor baseline everything like the fundamentals of the guard list just don't freaking work and i've said this on other podcasts as well i don't see how guard um, works in ninth edition. If they get a new codex, I don't. I'm I'm stumped for how they make it relevant for how they make the way that they, the guard plays the game. Oh, I know, but they're not. Yeah. I'm not a game designer or developer, and nobody asked me. So fair, 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 fair. Well, maybe we'll unpack that on part two because yeah, I've got some concepts, but I'm like they're so far removed from how guard is always played. And then I think about the ways that guard play. I'm like, how does that actually make? How does that actually make that good in ninth? But anyway, let's go over and talk about that in part two. Thank you so much, Brandon. Anything you'd like to plug on the way out? Uh, not at this time, no. No problems. Well, thank you, everybody, who's joined us for this episode. Please join us over on part two, um, over on Patreon or on theartofwar40k.com. Thank you very much again, Brandon, and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. 
a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.